Round one. Fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 323rd episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy audio-based legends over at audiotechnica.com. Go upgrade your audio game today. Tell them the Hungry Gamers sent you. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bit. And joining me on this episode, my podcast writer died, the water and bubbles to my wonky fruit. You can find her on them socials, at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart, how the bloody hell are you? I'm very curious. I'm actually sitting here trying to ponder on what the uh, reference is. Okay, it's a bit of a deep cut. So um, I'm, I'm a big advocate here for the audio listeners. I'm holding up a can of Dash Water which is oh. a no calories, no sugar, no sweeteners, um, sparkling water. It's, it's delicious. Oh. But their byline on the back here is water, bubbles, and wonky fruit. So that's all that's really in, in the drink itself. It's super delicious. It's my favorite sort of sparkling-based water because I'm just ultimately boy. trying to drink less soda. I'm trying to, like, I love a good can of Coke. Love me... Pepsi Max, whatever. But like, mm. so I'm trying to substitute when I can still get a bit of bit of sparkle, a bit of bubble yeah. with one of these little beauties. So Dash Water, please sponsor us because I love your flavors so much. And I've just subscribed on yeah. Amazon to monthly case drops. So, oh, yeah. wow. That's pretty exclusive. So it's essentially LaCroix, the, the, the fruit yeah. flavored yep. sparkling. Yeah. That has been my gateway out of soda as well like drinking mm-hmm. coca-cola and even coke zero Lacroix has actually really helped with that because it does kind of settle that curve of like that illusion of sweetness i guess mm-hmm. a sweet bubbly drink and they had released one recently which is very lucky for me which was called uh the flavor is limoncello Ooh, and yes. it's ta- like i don't know how to say this without it sound not sounding gross but it tastes like you're drinking lemon sherbet um it's delicious it's delicious so then same thing i think it's like zero calories or if if anything like probably five tops but yeah i it's it's the best way to, i guess to get out of drinking uh soda but that is not drinking water um yeah so. like i guess yeah you're getting you're getting a bit of the, the water goodness in there too but yeah, it's it's delicious. Like I love love me a soda, but you know the the body is a, a fragile thing. You've got to look after it as best Boy you can. Howdy. And oh, hear that Ooh. hear that nice aggressive a little, little bit of a ASMR. But yeah, dash dash water, and I like that they use the wonky fruit. So they use like the they accept the misfits as far as oh, you know. That, that's I was going to ask what wonky not right fruit to sell. Yeah, so uh, okay, I thought wonky fruit wonky fruit. No, it sounds like wampa fruit. Oh, it's a crash. It's a crash collab, yeah. you reckon? Crash nod, yeah. Yeah, but I'm drinking the raspberries right now, but I've also got in the fridge lemon, I've got mango, and I've got cucumber. So, got, got all the flavors. Can't you do a like cucumber. cucumber. No. Can't do like a cucumber and can't do a watermelon, I'm finding as well. Oh, I love water. I've got watermelon and apple juice in the fridge too. Damn, you're set. All the fruits. Mm-hmm. All the fruits. But yes, um, 
let's, I guess, shift focus to what we usually, oh, we, I guess we talk about random things like this all the time on THG anyway. So this it's nothing new for listeners that have been here once or twice before. But uh, I guess we could start with what we've been up to. And I will quickly start with uh, what I've been watching this week, which has started to get a lot of a lot of praise on the socials, a lot of people being very excited for a new entry onto Netflix. I wasn't sure with the with the naming of the of the show itself if it was actually about maybe people in the meat industry, but it is not the case at all. I was very wrong. Um, so what I'm referring to is a show on Netflix called Beef, which mm. is a drama, you could say drama comedy a little bit. There is some funny moments with Ali Wong and Stephen Yoon as the the two leads, and it's based around this this road raid in- incident that occurs sort of right off the drop and just the, the realism and the drama and just the... The strains and trials and tribulations of living life, I guess, in, in 2023, where you know it's high stress. Uh, you know, Ali Wong, her character, Amy, and she's you know successful and married, so it tight like weaves into you know happy life, happy life, and all those tropes. But like, what's under the surface? Stephen Yoon is playing Danny, who's like a a sort of I guess a, a struggling contractor, and so you're sort of seeing the high end and the low end of town, and and then the the drama and the the tension that sort of uh, exists somewhere in the middle, but it's it's really enjoyable. Like there's ten episodes. I think I'm at episode eight, so I don't know how it's going to end yet. But like, I really like the realism and the vulnerability in this show. Like there's mm. a lot of relatable moments fr- from both sides of of the spectrum with with Stephen and Ali's characters. But it's been really enjoyable. It's uh it's an easy watch. Some of the some of the situations can make you feel a bit uncomfortable, like as a good drama should, but. Then there's some lighthearted moments. So, um, yeah, Beef is uh, a pleasant little hit so far for 2023. I didn't even know it was getting made, didn't even know it existed. And then it's, as it does, just sneaks its way onto Netflix. And, um, yeah, it seems the, the internet is very happy for Beef. Yeah, I it, totally agree that, like, I only heard just, like, a, I only started seeing, like, a snippet of trailers that kind of came through my... Uh, usually uh, web video viewing and then next thing you know it came out and and I think the day or night of its release like everyone was type um, talking about it and hyping it up and I, I've got to say it like everyone is saying how amazing and how great it is and how wonderful the cast is but I really have haven't heard much about what it's about and that I think you just now have explained like what it's about for the first time for me and I'm still like, wow. And so I'm, I'm actually still curious, like, how it's been holding up and why everyone loves it so much. So I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to see uh, what the hype is essentially about because, yeah, it's very curious. Mm. No, it's, it, it's been sort of check in the boxes for me, that's for sure, where, like, obviously I'm consuming far too much anime and I'm like maybe I should watch something else just to have a little bit of a a little bit of a breakup of my my routine here and I was scrolling through Netflix and yeah saw saw beef there and I'm like oh what is this I like Stephen Yoon I like Ali Wong she she's gone from strength to strength as an actress like yeah. she's she's a very talented woman and she's great in the role of Amy and uh A24 are the production company behind this anyone that knows uh anything that A24 have done it, it's usually a bit left of center, I guess, is the nice way to describe most mm. of the material that they attach themselves to, like, you know, big hits like uh, Hereditary, Green Knight, Midsummer, etc., etc. A lot of the more art house, unique dramas, thrillers, horrors, and everything else in between is what A24 usually 
tie themselves to. Actually, A24 just recently dropped a trailer for an yes. Australian horror movie called Talk To Me. It looks fantastic. And I hate that when I was watching it, I'm like, what is this accent? Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember that accent. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. But yeah, like I'm, I was so like it. W- it was once again another trailer that played as an ad that was either on Twitch or on YouTube. And usually, the second that skip button comes up, I'm usually pretty quick at it. But this one, this trailer played, and I was absolutely drawn into it. And I had to hear that it's like got connections to Australia and stuff. I'm like, yes, like I'm, I'm so happy. And you know, having a 24 stamp of approval on it as well means so much. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more about this movie because it looks really spooky. They've said I've seen a few sort of quotes from various members of the a 24 staff saying that 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 movie is just about the scariest film that they've attached themselves to to date. So, wow. To know the amount of uh, films and TV that A24 have had their their uh, you know DNA involved in, you know it's a very vast list. And to to say that this is like the creepiest, freakiest thing they've done so far, it's like oh shit, what's this movie gonna be? Like the trailer looks great. It looks all kinds of eerie and uncomfortable. And like you said, it's awesome to see Australians having a global impact on some of these uh, various forms of media and we'll, we'll talk about a, a game that's attached to uh you know australian game development later in the news but yeah beef check it out really fun really relatable really raw mm-hmm. which uh it's, it's just a good watch each episode runs i think they're you know anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes so the episodes aren't too long and dense 10 episodes in the season i'm at about episode eight but i've been really really digging it so far like we were talking in the late hours last night and I did stay up a little bit after. I said, I've got to go to bed and need some sleep mm-hmm. because I watched another episode of Beef. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we're here now and we're recording. And, yeah, Beef on Netflix, really recommend it so far. I'm 80% of the way through, but it's been a, been a great ride. I have to check it out. Yeah, but something, something that I don't know if I can recommend, which I'm sorry to say, you know, we always try and be pretty optimistic here mm. at THG and... I've been playing this game. It's only just dropped the last couple of weeks, uh, available on many a platform. Uh, It's done by a publisher and development company called Persona Theory Games. The game Mm -hmm. came out on the 4th of April, and it's it's on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. And it's an interactive visual novel called Cabaret. And Mm -hmm. you think, oh, Cabaret, it's all song and dance and slapsticky and whimsical. No, it is not. No, it Mm -hmm. is not. So it focuses on south asian folklore and i guess the the big question that the game poses to you almost right from the jump is like you know what is life is life worth living what is that offer like it's very very dreary and dread inducing right from the jump and i didn't know how to feel about that to begin with because i don't know if i just wasn't in the right mindset or the right mood to play it and then the art style it's really minimalistic. It's really stripped back, which is fine. You know, I'm uh, not going to sort of pan what Persona Theory have done as far as the aesthetic. There is some really very impressive, visually stunning panels that they do weave in into this game itself. But it's it's a fantasy tale, you could say, where you're playing the role of Jabat, who's a young um, adult male in Malaysia, and his life is very shitty, I guess you could say. And what happens is he's a 
I guess, an Uber delivery driver for all intents and purposes or a food mm-hmm. delivery driver because there's no Uber ref- reference or no DoorDash. But he's a food delivery driver and he witnesses a robbery out as he's delivering his food and he does nothing. And what then happens is he gets cursed and the curse turns him into a demon and it transports him into this realm of various monsters, demons and mythical creatures from Malaysian lore. And Mm -hmm. so he uh, ends up working as a tea master in this place. And so you're having interactions with various monsters and creatures of mythological standing but the the conversations you have like it is heavy some of the tone and some of the imagery they show like it's pretty unsettling shit so there is some trigger warnings in there to do with suicide and self-harm and everything like that so if if that is something Mm -hmm. that is a little bit more of a sensitive or, or triggering subject for yourself just be warned because there is some of that right in the first like 30 minutes of the game so yeah, just just be warned about that. But I had a really hard time getting into the game because it was, like I said, it is a visual novel. There's no voice acting in it. It's all just text on screen. You're, oh. you're literally just clicking through. I was playing on the Xbox and you know, point and click games don't usually translate too well to a controller as we've talked about many times. Mm-hmm. But you're not really doing anything in this game apart from clicking through, reading the text and then... Occasionally, you get a couple of uh, response-based options which can vary the story where you can you know, respond calmly, negatively, whatever, you know, to, to sort of fork the, the narrative in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, the game is, I think, probably a little too heavily reliant on these difficult topics that you're tackling. It's, I think it's more about making you feel a little uncomfortable and the shock value. And I think when you're getting hit over the head with that, repeatedly it sort of lessens the impact at the same time sure yeah so I, I think i played for about two hours two and a half hours and that two and a half hours it was a struggle like not that the the source material yeah it did make me feel uncomfortable but like just the game i couldn't get into it i was really struggling and i'm like you know what? i'm gonna push i'm gonna give it a little bit of a go but i played for yeah just a bit over two hours then I had to put it down because I just wasn't meshing with the art style. I wasn't meshing with the way that the story is getting told. I wasn't meshing with just literally, yeah, pressing A to circulate through all this text. And even like the the way it was written, it just wasn't smooth as far as the, the writing style. It was just wasn't snappy, needed to maybe go into chat GPT to tighten up some of the, the verbiage you're dealing with there. <laughs> Shameless plug. But um, yeah, Cabaret just didn't really work for me like i get that they're trying to uh in in the role of this character named jabat to i guess confront his demons and you know his certain views and and how he uh, treats or or sees others and and try and i guess um improve that mindset and make him a bit more of a positive influence and and become you know a a protagonist instead of i guess he's he's like that almost like a losery antagonist at the moment but i just couldn't get into it like i really 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 struggled so i think two and a bit hours is a fair amount of time to invest to know if if you're going to enjoy something yeah i probably could have pulled the pin after an hour because i knew pretty early on that this didn't feel like it was going to be a game for me but i'm like you know what i'm gonna give give the game its due and and push a little further but yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Persona Theory Games, but yeah, Cabaret is not for me. It's I've sort of been doing a little bit of digging around on on reviews just to sort of see where it fits 
in the broader media spectrum as far as has it been getting reviewed well am i an outlier uh but like there there isn't a metacritic score for the game um officially attached on metacritic yet there is a couple of critic reviews one was a 60 out of 100 and then there's also an 80 out of 100 so if you average it out it's a 70 so that seems way too high for me but maybe it was just right place right time for the two reviewers but just not for me you know what, to be completely fair, and I, we all have our preferences in game, in, in game play styles and you know, what we like, what we don't like. And I've got to say, like, even for me, um, visual novel games, uh, I'm not really big on. I find that if you'd have to be exclusively maybe just looking for a story experience and less of I want to play a game when you choose to play a visual novel. So I think considering like I don't think you very much like play visual novels regularly. No. No. (laughs) No. So you were definitely coming from a completely different perspective and it was a a genre that you don't necessarily – reach out for and that was your experience with it so I, I i think it's perfectly fair for you to have that review maybe the other reviews out there were fans of that particular subgenre you know perfectly fair i i am with you i don't like visual novels generally because it is just essentially just clicking a button and just watching a story in front of you so i That's get it. it yeah yeah i think because there's that lack of interactivity into a lot of visual novel it needs to be propped up by the visual style or the soundtrack or just the writing and some of these south asian monsters and deities and whatever else some of them look great in some of the panels but then other times the art style gets a little stripped back and it feels like it's a little lacking and yeah it just it just didn't gel with me um i like the concept of being a team master and trying to brew teas for these various monsters, which added a little bit of stress and strain because you've got to get all the right ingredients um, in its right order to make the tea of, of choice. But then with that as well, there's no consequence of fucking that up. The story keeps pushing forward regardless of you oh. mucking up the mechanics. So there was this sense of stress that came on the make of the tea preparation, but then it felt pointless at the same time because it's like, I failed, but the story's going on anyway. So there was yeah. some sort of missteps there, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just wasn't um it wasn't for me. But Cabaret, yeah, like as we mentioned, two two reviews officially up on Metacritic, averaging it out at seventy. So that's it's a pretty passable score, but for me, I'd be scoring a lot less than that because it just didn't really work for me. Like, you know, I don't know if I want to be the bearer of bad news, but I'd chuck it somewhere in the like between thirty and forty because okay. I just couldn't couldn't gel with this. I like that it took some risks and went into some dark places with that narrative. But outside of that, it just didn't really have much else going for it for me. But um, yeah, it still was still pretty at times and some of the soundtrack was okay, but it just felt a little a little weak, a little watered down from, from what I was hoping to get out of Cabaret. But yeah, so I played that a little bit this week and we've also been playing a little bit of the latest season slash chapter of Fortnite. They've just... Uh, rolled out the the latest update where we've got some attack on titan collabs you've got Mm. the odm gear in there so you're zipping around like a mad dog and throwing thunder spears and stabbing people how you been finding that i hate it (laughs) absolutely hate it um people so this is very similar to when they introduced the web slinger and then they introduced like a grappling gun and it's just like there are these um 
you know, these fast-paced opportunities of, like, mobility around the map. But I just think sometimes people are, like, spamming it and, like, I know I can't hit someone when they're mid-air, like, zooming around the map like that. And I just feel like, especially playing in teams, that all you're doing is facing off people who are zooming around you and, like, uh, like, it's interesting to use, but I just think it's, for me, tarnishing the experience a little bit when everyone's kind of just doing it, especially when you're in the final, you know, you're in like the top five or whatever and everyone's just kind of zooming around and it's just a matter of who gets hit and who doesn't. So, which of course is pretty much essentially the game, but, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, who, I guess who's airbound and who's grounded, I guess is usually the defining factor. Yeah. The, the meta of Fortnite the last few seasons is definitely, if you don't have the traversal tool, you are You're cooked. screwed, yeah. Like, if you don't have the hammer or the blade or now the ODM gear, you are in a world of hurt because if you're in a firefight and they've, they're starting to get the advantage over you, you can, you know, whip to that item I just mentioned, get out of there and get catch a breath potentially. But if you don't have that, you are gone. And yeah. the ODM gear is fun to, to zip around on. It allows you to close the gap really quick. But like you said too, it's so annoying when you're battling solo duo trio squad whatever it is and you've got this this person dead to rights they've got like you know one shot and they're gone but then oh lo and behold they've got a blade or they've got the odm gear and then they're and they're gone and it's just like like i get that it adds a nice new wrinkle or layer to the game but at the same time it can be so frustrating it is so frustrating but then it has saved me a few times too so i can't completely just uh rag on it when I know it's uh, prolonged my life a couple of times this week. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I just like think like they have to kind of like evaluate what it brings to the Battle Royale experience and does it just prolong it? Does it reward people for using it or is it just essentially an out that would just frustrate others? I don't know. I don't know. Like with a lot of these weapons and items that they kind of introduce that kind of get a bit like OP. They're usually people, well, actually it's more the community who find a way to counter them usually. Mm-hmm. So maybe I've got to wait just a little bit longer to figure out what that is. But right yeah. now, no. Yeah, it's still, it's all the hotness. It's all the rage. But I think that it might only be around for maybe another week or so. These sort of limited collabs where they have a, a pop-up of a new character and a new concept mid a uh, mid chapter usually only last a week or two so hopefully it won't prolong its stay too heavily on on the current rotation have you got a favorite weapon like have you got a favorite gun that that sort of is your your go-to in the the latest chapter you know what like i did i i was running um uh the combat shotgun and mm-hmm. either would kind of split between the pistol or the SMG, but I am finding now that like even even the shotgun is losing its impact. Maybe it's not it's not hitting the same way that it used to. I don't know if that actually made ha- had any changes recently, but it's it's just not hitting the same way. And um, the SMG, yeah, it's it's still doing all right, but it's it's it's. It's um, being shut down very quickly with those um, overpowered exotic weapons and legendaries that are spawn on the island that appears. Uh, the, the pulse, the pulse gun. Yeah. Oh, my 
God, that damn pulse. It's had a change recently, but yeah, that's... They they rip you in half in like a millisecond. If they've exactly. got the jump on you with that gun, you are gone. I've been one shot with one. So mm. like, yeah, but they've changed it apparently. So apparently it's not going to be too much of an issue anymore. So hopefully... Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like... um I'll usually run... If I've got the ODM gear or like a blade for traversal, then I'll try and have the cans as my healing item because it's shields and health. And then I'll usually run the Cobra DMR, a shotgun and a pistol or an SMG as sort of the three. I'm sorry. The Cobra DMR is not consistent. It is not like consistent in its accuracy. I have had so many times where I follow people, I change it up because I'm just, I'm not hitting people from a distance and I don't know. I, I I'm obviously shit, but like I, no, just, you're I, not. I can't I can't <laughs> find the secret source on what I'm meant to be doing to improve because I'm just I feel like I'm lining it up and then it's just like nope and then you move it and it's like nope and then uh, like I move it another way. Nope. And I'm like, oh you know what? <laughs> Throw the gun. <laughs> just, it, it can be inconsistent, I think. The hitbox on that gun is a little scattershot. But also this week in general, I'm assuming you probably copped the same, but the, the connectivity in the game can be a bit janky. Like there's been some some rubber banding or some tearing or a few like lags here and there throughout every game I've played this week. You'll notice a little bit. I've maybe had the occasional like that I've registered of like a jump, like a, maybe a frame jump in like frantic moments. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's like a lot of um, a lot of players in the area and maybe there's been a bit of a jump. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's consistently through matches or whatever like that for oh, okay. me. Yeah, I've been getting been getting probably one to two every match that I've played. Probably this server week. side issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. AU servers are uh, getting DDoSed or something, but who knows? But it's, it's still super fun. And on that new Unreal Engine five, holy moly, this game's pretty. Like it is stunning the the locations and the vibrancy in those locations, especially around like um, what's it called? Mid Night City. What's the city called? I have no idea. What, whatever the cyberpunk slash Japanese fused <laughs> city is, it is stunning with the neon and the, it like it looks great. I just stay away from. I it. hate that zone too. I yeah, hate you it, just hate it, hate it. <laughs> it's a gamble. Yeah, it's it's not a good time. But something that is a good time is videogamesandculture.com, the best website to find all hungry gamers and eight bit related content. You can get direct access to all our podcasts in episodic fashion there. If you want to get some merchandise, you can do so over at shop8bit.net and be sure to follow us on all the socials at we are eight bit. And while you're there, jump on into Discord, say hello, get your intro uh, get your predictions in as well for Jedi Survivor to win some pizza on us. We've still got about a week or so before the game comes out, so get those review predictions in for Metacritic. And if you uh, guess correctly, you'll get a pizza party on us. So do that and we'll be forever thankful. But let's jump into some news. This week's news headlines. Presented by Audio-Technica. All right. And the first bit of news, it's it's some sad news. But, uh, you know, we're not at all surprised. This game seems to be in development hell. And uh, following reports last month that Rocksteady's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League would be delayed again, Warner Brothers this week has made it official, and then some, pushing the Batman Arkham Knight follow-ups release all the way back to the 2nd of February of 2024. This does, of course, mark the second substantial delay for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which was initially expected to arrive in 2022 before Warner Brothers made the decision to shift its launch to the 26th of May of this year in order to, in quotes, make the best game we can. It seems they need more time to make the best game we can, 
um, another, yeah. what, nine months yeah. after the second delay. This is, uh, you know, a little bit of a panic station here. We're not at DEFCON 5 just yet, but hang on, with DEFCONs, is it the higher the number, the worse it is? I think, right? Like DEFCON yeah, 1 I think, might be... Oh, hang on. I'm trying to remember Short Circuit. No, not Short Circuit, War Games. I'm, I'm Googling it at the same time. Because, like... I'm trying to remember what was worse with, but they do mention DEFCON 5 a lot. That's the lowest state of readiness. Okay, so if, if it's going the other way, DEFCON 2 is, is real bad news because. And, and DEFCON that 1 is, is like nuclear war. Next step is nuclear war, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so we're not like quite at DEFCON 3 yet, which yeah. is uh, the exercise term known as roundhouse, apparently, um, in DEFCON terms. But. Um, yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned about this game, Miss Hart. You and I are, I think, pretty excited when it got announced a few years ago, but that well, excitement is starting to wane. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of um, factors that kind of came into the the excitement kind of dwindling for this title, and the speculation with this announcement of them pushing the title back into 2024 is, oh, good, they heard the outrage after their uh, trailer you know, game game details that they kind of also released they showed gameplay extra information on uh, what kind of system they're going to be implementing and yeah the internet wasn't happy and so some people believed i think some people believe that the pushback for may was going to have the changes but now that this is pushed back to the 2024 everyone's speculating that they're actually making changes that people complained about i don't think they will change too much. Like, I don't think they're going to change the... Um, the whole, like, live service, pay-a-win yeah. almost type of... Maybe they'll adjust it. Maybe, it'll, maybe it will be adjusted in some kind of way where it's not the main dependency. I don't know. But either way, like, get, we, we now live in a time where game delays are just constant and consistent, especially mm. for AAA titles. But, I mean... I, I'm curious how this affects studios, how this affects um, shareholders and everything because money gets invested into these things and they you assume that timelines are projected in order to account for budgeting in the process of making the game and then how much it makes in sales and then the prolonged time of it being made just pushes like that gap together on how much they need to make additionally for profit. So, I mean, I'd be worried if I was Rocksteady. It's worrisome. Like, I think you nailed it. Like forecasting is a part of all business because yeah, they need to know where the money's coming from. And the fact that this game was, was originally planned for last year so they've had that hole to try and, you know, pivot out of because there's not this cash injection from all these uh, copies of Kill the Justice League getting getting acquired. And then they've since moved that to May and now that's been kicked out of this year. So they've just got this, this hole that they're just constantly trying to backfill with games from, I guess, the broader Warner Brothers slate to try and hope that they can sort of, uh, I guess, prolong this damage that the delays are doing from kill the justice league like it's it's tough like in, in any type of business where there's sales and targets to meet people at the top have have the uh questions coming at you for anyone underneath that is responsible for these you know where's this money coming in why is there delays where's where's my commissions or where's my um you know my share 
price going up because, uh, yeah, this is not happening, not happening. So I'd say people within Warner Brothers would be getting very, I don't know if upset's the right word, but they'd certainly be questioning what's going on there because they've all got targets, they've all got money they want to make. And the fact that this game has seemed to be just such a moving target as far as when it's coming, will it come, won't it come? And now to see it released... I guess you could say a year and a half after when it was meant to come out. Like that's a huge, huge delay. And Warner Brothers is a massive company that you know is driven heavily on dollars and cents. Like you can see in the DC space, where if these franchises aren't doing much, they'll just they'll just cut it. Um, even when you know something like the the Batgirl movie was pretty well finished, and they went, you know what, we're just going to scrap it. You know, it was in post production. They're like, no, we're we're canceling it now. We're not even going to release it. I, like, I wonder if that also has to do with the component of marketing too because marketing is massive. It's a massive mm-hmm. cost. Um, so, you know, they have to always account for those kind of things too. Like Warner, Warner Brothers is obviously a juggernaut and they have their funding and they have their, you know, money behind them in order to kind of push these kind of medias. But like you said, they're – they're super quick to start just cutting when they want to, when they don't see the results that they want. So it's very fickle. So It's it's very fickle. And I guess the fact that they're going to be doing, I guess, the third marketing campaign now for this game, like well, the, yeah, the lead yeah. up that we saw, saw a bit of a drive in, in 2022. We've seen a bit more of a push in 2023. And now we're going to see it again in 2024. And you know, these marketing campaigns that are done globally, they're not cheap. So the money that they're investing into that space alone would be uh, eroding what profit they might be pulling out of this game next year come the um, 2nd of February. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm assuming this is probably the last time we talk about Kill the Justice League for quite a while uh, until maybe we get another new gameplay trailer or, or like you mentioned, Ali, where they come back out and say, hey, we've retooled the whole experience based off negative feedback. Here you go. And you know what? That would be a win for gamers, but... Ultimately, this feels like a bit of a loss for Warner Brothers and Rocksteady because, uh, yeah, the, the hype of this game is uh, dwindling, at least for me. Me too, yeah. Yeah, at least for us. Uh, something else that was a little bit uh, a little bit divisive and a little bit uh, of, a, of a pin getting uh, put into a balloon here was Arcane's cop vampire shooter Redfall. It's going to be arriving locked at 30 FPS on Xbox Series X and S. So on the Xbox Series S, the game will run at 1440p and 30 frames. And on Xbox Series X, Redfall will run at 4K and 30 frames. These options represent the game's, in air quote, quality mode setting for each platform. A 60fps performance mode option is still planned for Redfall on consoles, but that will arrive post-launch via an update. So this can be... Uh, one way or another, like some some players like to experience their games in performance mode, 60 FPS, you know, all those sure. frames, buttery smooth, or they want the higher resolution at a capped frame rate for that quality mode or that visual mode. You know, there's, there's certain uh, descriptors that a lot of games use. But yeah, a lot of people have come out and said, just, just delay this game again until we can get both as opposed to bringing it out in May uh, where we get, I guess, only one option, like... I'm not upset about this. I play a lot of games on quality mode because I, I prefer the the higher resolution. Depend, I guess depending on the genre. Like, yeah. like racing games, definitely. You want the frames. Give me all of the frames. Fighting games, sports games, you want the higher frame rates. But something like a Resident Evil 4 Remake, for example, give me that in 4K. 30 FPS is fine as opposed to 60 FPS at a lower res. So it depends on the style of game. And, and this pacing 
that Arcane has shown with gameplay and demos of Redfall. It feels like this isn't going to be detrimental to the game. I think the game's still going to run great. And it's going to look great too in the, the quality mode, but I've seen a lot of uh, discourse on Twitter this week about, not nah, delay it. I don't want to play it until we get this performance mode version. And it's going to be interesting because this is one of the major Xbox exclusives that we don't get many of. And it's uh, been riddled with delays and issues already. And here's another problem. So this is an interesting look into maybe a studio kind of putting the eggs in baskets and seeing which one was would be the better payoff. And I'm wondering why not delaying it a few more. I, I obviously don't know how long it would have taken in order to execute the you know, 460, 460 frames, but what's better to delay it and then give the full experience or just risk it and finally release it, but release it at a, as not, I don't want to say not as a complete game, but not as a fully polished game, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to describe it. Uh, I think it might be a disservice by kind of trying to put something out there and, whether people actually paid attention to it or not, but kind of saying like, oh, we're releasing the game, but there will be an update later to make it better. Although there was, there's been actually a few titles that have kind of done that. We obviously saw that with um, uh, Cyber Cyberpunk, right? Cyberpunk mm-hmm. wasn't yep. fully optimized um, for the new consoles, but I guess that was more about games being developed for both old console, new console, and then they were just, I don't know. But, like, I just don't know what what options or what why they chose this option to release a game that sounds like it's not fully polished because I think that could hurt their sales. And like you said, Xbox exclusive, they'd want the best possible outcome and this, this could hurt. Mm. Well, it makes me think of Halo Infinite all over again where... You know, we got parts of it at launch. We didn't get the other parts and it was very divisive in the community. But it's funny too, because if they just announced that this game is only coming out with these specs, people would be like, okay, high frame rate would have been great, but that's what we got. But because they've said there's this other option coming is where the frustration has has sort of uh, arisen from because you've given gamers choice and they don't get both choices at launch. They're like, F you Arcane, F you Microsoft, this is bullshit. But if they just said, hey, this is what you're getting, you know, you get what you get, you don't get upset, everyone's like, okay, fair enough. I got no choice. But because the choice is there and it's been taken away, that's where the anger comes from. But we'll see, excuse me, we'll see how long we have to wait uh, for this future update for performance mode to drop. But we're still going to play this in May. I'm going to still have a good time with it. And 30 FPS and uh 4k or 1440p on the series s that's that's pretty fine to me yeah and uh, also talking about redfall uh i noticed there was a bit of discourse or i guess positive discourse on twitter where uh i don't know who presented it but there was some gameplay uh shown that was circulating along twitter and a lot of people were actually commenting saying like actually this looks really good like I don't know what we saw previously, but this gameplay actually really looks good. I wish I remember who actually released the footage, but maybe if you are curious, like maybe you were disheartened by, I believe IGN might have been the ones that did the original 
go out there and see if you can find the updated gameplay because it may change your mind. It seems like it's mm. really changed a lot of people's minds out there after witnessing what some some people have referred to someone who knows how to play the game. So <laughs> spicy, yeah, isn't very things spicy. Spicy sometimes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Something that is is a bit of a win though for for Team Green is the next uh, little quick hitter. So Ubisoft Plus Multi Access is now available on Xbox consoles. The subscription service provides access to games from Ubisoft's catalog. Multi access allows access across multiple platforms with just one subscription. So this includes PC through their Ubisoft Connect, Amazon Luna, and now Xbox. The library includes the latest Ubisoft releases on day one, as well as DLC and classic games. Subscribers also receive 10% off any in-game purchases, and so far the likes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Tom Clancy's Division 2, Far Cry 6, and more are included. And the great thing as well is cross-progression is also available for a select number of titles. So whether you get your gaming on console, whether you get it on PC, or you play via Amazon Luna, your saves shall carry across those platforms most of the time asterisks we're not saying that on the record we need to confirm what the actual list is but it's kind of cool to have yet another option to get these games day one bundled into your console of choice if you're an xbox gamer i figure it's only a matter of time before maybe this gets gobbled up into a game pass offering where you pay a little extra and you get Ubisoft Plus multi-access. We're already seeing EA access sort of included now and bundled in with Game Pass. So I feel this is all just going to become part of a future tier of your standard Game Pass offering. And, and I'd pay it. Like if I can get Ubisoft games day one for an extra few bucks a month, giddy up. Yeah, like uh, I I think it's more making games available across regard- all platforms. Like even Xbox they have Game Pass, but if you want your Game Pass access on both your console and PC, you kind of have to pay a little bit more for that. So mm-hmm. the fact that uh, Ubisoft Plus multi-access is just saying, no, you just get it across all is actually pretty good. And this is actually really good to hear too because I don't know why I've had a hankering to play The Division lately. I don't know why. So I think I've been seeing a lot of similar things out there and I'm like, man, remember The Division? The Division mm-hmm. was fun. Um but, and I, I also think it's a great attachment to also say that you get 10% off any in-game currency purchases too. That's also a pretty good you know, cherry on top. So yeah. I think this is a pretty, you know, smart, smart concept that they're rolling, they're rolling out. You know, we've, uh, we've sort of talked about Ubisoft in a bit of a negative light That's pretty true. infrequently over the last few months. So yeah. it's nice that this is a bit more of a pro-consumer move. And, and like you mentioned, this is very much the, the Phil Spencer mo or the modus operandi if we want to get get fancy where gaming should be everywhere for every gamer and that's what this is doing he's bringing you know the xbox is almost becoming like the apple tv box right where you've got all these streaming apps running on it in the back end that's what xbox and i think whatever the console will be called in the future will ultimately become where it's almost like a media center and you've got all these apps and third-party uh, pieces of software running in over the top and Xbox is just your central hub. And yeah, we're seeing this with yeah, EA, we're seeing it with Game Pass, now we're seeing it with Ubisoft Multi-Access or Ubisoft Plus Multi-Access, sorry, can't forget the Plus. Some of the naming conventions on these things, I, I had a chuckle, related but unrelated, how HBO Max is now just called Max 
and the whole uh, internet just taking the piss of that this week. I had, mm-hmm. a, had a nice chuckle reading a few Twitter threads on that one. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to see. And pro-consumer, we're never going to sort of uh, slap that down because uh, that's what we're all about here is the best for gamers. All right. Mm. And something else. I guess you could say the best for gamers, but also the best for adaptations. And it's tying into the Super Mario Bros. movie. It is now the highest grossing video game adaptation ever, having earned over $500 million globally and $260 million in North America alone. It has also surpassed Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, as the highest grossing movie of 2023 so far. The movie has broken records since its opening weekend, earning $368 million worldwide and beating other popular video game adaptations such as Detective Pikachu, World of Warcraft, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So... Quick shout out, I did watch Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania this week. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> Completely justified the reviews out there on that one. But Super Mario Bros. movie, we talked about it glowingly last week and we were talking about how this movie is going to make so much kashish mm. and the proof is in the pudding right here. Uh, yes, and I am so happy to report on this because I've been having uh, you know, a nervous wreck based on our spicy take bet. <laughs> Because a lot of things seem to be moving in your direction. Uh, So this is my, I think it's my first win. My first official win because I don't think they can take the money back. So Mario beating all the video game movies and the box office. That's one for me. That is one for you. That's that's a solid win. Like, yeah, any, any negativity that we had for this movie leading up to its release is way, way back in the rearview mirror now. Like wasn't a perfect movie it was fun but like it's crazy that this movie just is breaking barriers as far as the the video game niche uh having success at the box office like we mentioned detective pikachu and sonic and things like that making some money but this has just dwarfed it like this could potentially become a billion dollar film like it could become one of the highest grossing films of all time which is great. And so having that off the back of the success of The Last of Us, uh, it's, it's a good time for gamers and, and watching it uh, be adapted to small and big screen. It's, it's my favorite comment that's been kind of going around as well, where it's like, who would have thought that adapting a game just 100% true to the game would actually succeed? You know, yeah. The Last of Us has done incredibly well and the Super Mario Brothers movie is skyrocketing. So... Maybe in the future when they're choosing to pick up these games and develop them into movies and series, they just can stay dedicated to the actual source material. Yeah, and get people to act as the showrunner or the lead lead director, producer, writer from films. Get people that are invested and give a shit about the source material because you can see when it translates, it's great. Instead of just having some Hollywood bigwig just try and go, oh yeah, we'll take that, we'll take that brand and we'll turn it into a Hollywood classic. Or Henry Cavill is an example of having the lead actor try to keep things true <laughs> to the source material. Yeah, which which can go one way or the next depending on the the rumor mill you you believe there on the Witcher yeah, stuff, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, that, that's some good news. But something else that I wanted to highlight this this week, um, I just called this uh, bit of news here, God damn, this is cool. And I've grabbed some words from Eurogamer. And uh, I'm talking about when I say, God damn, this is cool. I'm talking about stray gods. 
the role-playing musical, which is the next game from Dragon Age writer David Gator. And it now has an official release date of the 3rd of August of 2023. And in a stream hosted by Twitch channel Critical Role earlier this week, further details on the game were provided. The game is set in a modern fantasy world where Greek gods live hidden among us and follows a college dropout given the power of a muse. And if the game's title wasn't already clear, the whole thing is presented as a fully sung musical. Players will make a number of choices to charm, negotiate, or strong-arm their way through the game, determining their own path to the end. There are four potential romance options as well. Gator is best known for his work on the Dragon Age and Knights of the Old Republic series, and the cast is made up of veterans from The Last of Us, obviously Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey, and Mel Dandridge. Baker is also voice directing the game, I didn't expect him to have a decent singing voice, but it turns out, before acting, he was the lead singer of an alt-rock band named Trip Fontaine and also released a solo music album. Mm. Then there's Felicia Day, Kari Payton, and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who have acted in countless films, TV shows, animations, and games between them. We've also got Erica Ishii, who does Valkyrie in Apex Legends, musical theatre and Star Trek actor Anthony Rapp, Raul Coley, and many, many more. As for the music, Journey and Banner Saga composer Austin Wintry has provided songs, along with Scott Edgar, Stephen Gates, and Simon Hall of Australian musical comedy trio Tripod. There's also music from Australian art pop musician and Twitch streamer Montaigne, who Eurovision fans will remember as the country's entry from 2021. So I watched parts of the stream i also watched the latest trailer uh this game looks a ton of fun i am very excited to play this uh later this year it's it's only coming out on pc to begin with which you know that's that's fine i'll uh, maybe this will be the first game i'll play on my computer finally after a year and a half wow a point and click probably real simplified um musical I am in disbelief <laughs> But something else that's really, really awesome about this game is it's done by Summerfall Studios, which is a Mm -hmm. Melbourne-based game studio. So, you know, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie and all that stuff here. Um, Heavily backed by uh, the Victorian state government and film Victoria. And it's also uh, available, obviously, on Steam, Humble Games, and it's done through the Unreal Engine. But, man, oh, man, is there some heavy hitters attached to this game? And it just looks fun. Are you in on this? As the the resident sort of musical (laughs) game-based fan, are you in on this one? I've been in on this since March 2022 when they appeared in the Humble Games Showcase. (laughs) I love that. I completely forgot about this game, to be honest. I think a lot of people did because everyone's acting like it's the first time we've seen something about it. But I remember it was a very short showcase that we uh, witnessed at the start of the year. Like I think it was like I said, March roughly, and uh, Humble Game Show Humble Game Showcase. I had a, a brief snippet of titles that they just wanted to show, and this was one of them. And straight away, I'm like, "Excuse me, it's a musical about the gods? Yes, please." And then I also found out that Laura Bailey was playing the lead in it too, and she was singing. I know that Laura Bailey has been um, kind of experimenting with singing, um, as along with her incredible voice acting. She also sung in uh, Legend of uh, Vox Machina. She did a singing piece, uh, two singing pieces in that, I believe. So. Uh, this has been already on my radar. It's nice seeing everyone else hyping about it. A lot of people, 
kind of get a bit funny when the term musical is added to things, um, but it's just great to see a lot of people getting excited and backing it. It's only going to do more for this title. Obviously, having an attachment to so many incredible voice actors is also incredible. I can't wait to see what Raul Cawley does in this because mm-hmm. he has such an interesting range in acting and he, we've only seen him just you know continually succeeding, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I knew about Troy Baker having his little his little solo career doing like acoustics and stuff like that so yeah I think this is going to be a lot of fun I know I'm going to love it and it just makes me more happy to see that it's actually Australians that are involved in making it so I can't wait I'm I'm hyped and not not only yes the heavy hitters as far as the cast that's that's involved in this from a, a, a voice work perspective, from the music, but also David Gator, who obviously is one of the you know the the, the biggest names in, in video game writing. He's, he's had himself attached to some huge, huge, huge franchises. So have him tied into this as well. But also the art style, the aesthetic of this game, mm. it looks very, very nice. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all aboard Stray Gods, the role playing musical. I am so down for this, and um, yeah, get ready. Get ready, gaming PC, as I sort of tap it and, and touch it gently off screen here. <laughs> Why don't Our you time love has finally me. come. Yeah. August the 3rd, we're playing Stray Gods, the role playing musical. <laughs> Got to put it through its paces yeah. with the very uh, simplified. Push that graphics card. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be howling by uh, <laughs> how, how pretty this game is going to look and feel. And It'll be singing. That's nailed it. Close it up. <laughs> Episode's done. <laughs> Wrap it Can't up. Can't improve on that. But no, it's um yeah, I'm I'm super hyped. So yeah, shout out to Summerfall Studios and shout out to Stray Gods, the role playing musical, because uh yeah, we are all aboard this train, that's for sure. All right, let's uh shift gears. We'll jump from new oh I guess it still is news, but it's in a different fashion now. Tweet of the week. And the original tweet we're gonna reference is from maybe a month ago now Almost, or a few yeah. weeks ago now. And the original tweet that was doing the rounds was from um, at Ray Narvaez Jr., which is N-A-R-V-A-E-Z-J-R. And the tweet simply read, the new Peppa Pig game is wild in all caps. And we've grabbed a little bit of a follow-up bit of verbiage that's now doing the rounds where the developers have sort of since added some adding some wording and some depth as to what happened. As far as the tweet that says the new Peppa Pig game is wild, It's in relation to this as follows. So Peppa Pig World Adventures is a game that allows players to explore different parts of the world. In the London section of the game, players can meet the late Queen Elizabeth II in a playful sequence that involves riding a bus and jumping in muddy puddles with Peppa and her friends. The game developers had already implemented the Queen's character and the London section when news of her passing came up during development. They decided to keep the London section in as a tribute to the Queen with an in-memoriam section screen added at the very end of the chapter. The game's developers felt that it was important to keep the Queen in the game as she was an important figure in the United Kingdom and the world for decades. So uh, the the sort of the, the video caption with Ray playing through the game, you actually see him experiencing this and he's jumping in the puddles with the Queen and it's a whimsical moment. And yeah, then you get this black screen with an in memoriam, uh, you know, Queen Elizabeth II and her, her you know, life her and death Peppa years. In Peppa Pig form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in the animated Peppa Pig form. And, you know, as a, as a little kiddo playing this game, it would be very jarring and very confusing, confusing as to what's happening here. 
But uh, yeah, his reaction was priceless. But it's funny now that the the development team have sort of come out and I guess tried to add a little bit of weight as to why it happened. But yeah. if you haven't seen it, check it out. Follow follow Ray on on the socials. He's a hell of a follower. He's got some great reactions and yeah, some great sort of live gameplays. He's a hell of a character. And his reaction to this scene, I was howling Perfect. when I saw it Perfect, on Twitter yeah. <laughs> a few weeks back. It's brilliant. Yeah, like it's a kids game, so it's it's an interesting choice to kind of throw it in there. Like I know that they were trying to be respectful and such, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting choice. It really is. And um, anyone that has watched a minute of Peppa Pig will realize that Peppa Pig, she's just a bitch anyway. She's mean to everybody. She's so nasty to her little brother and she's not a good time. But uh, yeah, shout out to Queen Elizabeth having some fun jumping in some puddles and uh, may- maybe the-, the puddles in hell that she's now jumping in are uh, equally as fun oh. to jump into. But uh, oh. yeah, let's let's move into the last part of the potty. New releases and events. All right, as far as new podcasts dropping this week from us here at the broader 8-Bit team, we've got another episode of More Than Hentai coming out this week where we are going to be diving deep on Vinland Saga. And I am joined by friend of the show, Liam Hart there. It was a hell of a discussion this past week on that one. And he's making his actual podcast recording debut. So uh, oh, nice. check that one out over at More Than Hentai, an anime appreciation podcast where we uh, unpack this fantastic Viking historical themed anime that is doing great things now into its second season. Mm. Um, as far as things making its way to the screens, Evil Dead Rise is coming out at the cinemas this there week. I'm going to go check it out and report back. Are you going to try and watch this before we record next week as well? I will try my best because I think my husband actually does want to see this one as well. So we might try to make time and see this one at the cinema. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be so, so, so messed up, but I'm so excited. We've also got Bo is Afraid coming out this week, as well as A Good Person. So three films that are getting a lot of uh, positive media spin, three very different films, Mm. but three films that I equally want to watch, but I'm so excited for Evil Dead Rise. And then Bo is Afraid looks like a quite a interesting jaunt, very quirky. It's like a horror comedy, I think, or a horror th- like a comedy thriller. I can't quite get the 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 lead on the overall tone. It looks like like a Bing John Malkovich kind of tone, kind of you know movie. Perfect, perfect, and it's the latest film from from Ari Aster, who's done you know Midsummer and he's done Hereditary. And on that sort of midsummer dotted line, a good person is coming out, which uh, has our favorite uh, favorite blonde Englishwoman Florence Pugh in, in mm. it as well. So three great films all making its way to the big screen. As far as games coming out this week, we've got Disney Speedstorm, God of Rock, Minecraft Legends, Puzzle Quest Three, The Mage Seeker, A League of Legends Story. Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Series, Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores, Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly, Lost Epic, Super Meat Boy Forever, making its way to mobile platforms, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, and Dead Island 2 finally coming out as well. So there's yeah. some there's some heavy hitters in that list. There's some pretty good games here. I know that um, I've got a few people that are pretty excited for Dead Island 2, so I've probably got to keep that keep some time for that one somehow. And uh, Minecraft Legends, I wasn't completely sold on it, but there's been a few little bits of promotional detail that's kind of come out. I'm like, hmm, maybe. I've been yeah, kind of desperate to jump back on Minecraft. Decent reviews. So. The, the review, yeah. the, the NDA 
lifted overnight. And so we're starting to see the Minecraft Legends yeah. reviews trickle out. And it's been reviewing pretty well. There has been some some mixed messaging sure, where they're yeah. saying, you know, it can be a bit uneven here or there, but once it really hits its traps, it's great. Uh, the Horizon Forbidden West DLC, Burning Shores, I am all in on that. I'm going to no. be playing the shit out of that this week. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but I'm also going to play Coffee Talk Episode 2. Uh, which is Hibiscus and Butterfly, available through Xbox Game Pass, as well as the first episode of Coffee Talk. So do yourselves a favor and play those very cute pixel dating sim-related games mm-hmm. because uh, they're they're a great they're a great experience, uh, a lot more uh, so than the experience that I had this week earlier with Cabaret. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, plenty of games coming out. I'm very curious to see how Dead Island Two reviews because it has been. Also, a very uneven release schedule for that game for many years. And then, obviously, we cop delays from when it was meant to be out in February. But I'm excited for more first-person zombie-related anarchy. Yeah. All right. And outside of that, if you don't want to play things or listen to Vinland Saga, which, you know, why would you not want to listen to it? Because it's a great episode of More Than Hentai. I've also wanted to shout out to the team over at Cure Cancer because uh, they've got their Game on Cancer initiative returning later this month. And from the 28th of April right through to the 31st of May, Cure Cancer are assembling a group of superhero streamers of all shapes and sizes to raise money to fight cancer. And to date, they've raised over $750,000 AUD for vital cancer research. So... Yeah, check out Cure Cancer on the social medias. They've got a whole host of content creator-based teams there jumping on, raising money for the next four weeks from the end of this month to try and do what they can to, uh, yeah, cure and fight cancer. So uh, awesome. great work there from the Cure Cancer team. And yeah, Game on Cancer Initiative, love it. We'll see what we can do to help from an 8-bit and THG-related perspective. But Miss Hart, that brings us to the end mm-hmm. of THG 323. Anything else you wanted to shout out or mention before we get on out of here? All I'm going to recommend is, you know, every now and then, guys, go for a hike. Go for a walk. I've been doing a lot of hiking lately and you know, long walks in nature. And I know the kids like to make fun and say touch grass, but, you know, sometimes it's good. Mm, awesome. Or maybe t- touch rocks. Do you touch rocks when you hike? I actually, yeah, actually, there's a lot of rock touching, especially in the, the really rough areas of the desert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, go outside. The sun is scary, but, you know, just, just let it kiss you a little bit. A little sun kiss. Exactly, exactly. But also uh, slip, slop, slap, as they say, because uh, oh, you've got to I take miss- care of your skin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I miss that little saying. I should say it over here. See what, See the looks I get. See if you can normalize that statement over there. When, you, when you're getting out in the sun, say that to as many people as you know and see if it starts to just stick in and become part of their routine by osmosis. So uh, we'll make it slip, slop, slap. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is the end of episode 323 of THG. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, us and all the other podcasts to listen to on the regular. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love and stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry.